Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 776. Uh, today, recorded on the 25th of October. So we're very close to Halloween. Uh, and I, as such, there may be a little bit of Halloween malarkey going on uh, as I introduce guests. And we're talking, we we'll, might talk about some spooky sounds. A uh, bit of housekeeping and whatnot in the way first. I want to say thanks very much to uh, Wagyu in the chat. Uh, as ever, he's uh, looking after the... Uh, uh, the moderation as well as uh, the back end which kind of cross posts everything around here and i also want to apologize uh, for previous weeks where i haven't actually been uh, posting super chat and whatnot so uh, i'm just going to throw that up there and just show you that now i've got this new uh, super chat thing uh, which so if you do have super chat or super stickers it will show up i do apologize i didn't realize that the service we're paying for had uh, disconnected they haven't been paying their bills we've been paying ours they've not been paying theirs anyway this isn't a technology moaning uh, podcast this is to do with music technology where you might possibly hear people moan occasionally but we talk about generally synthesizers drum machines uh, software streaming live production all kinds of things and uh, uh, and the news thereof this week and i want to say uh, thank you to like i say everybody in the chat lovely to see some familiar faces there and I'll come back to the show with an immediate uh, advantage of there. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, David Sfrychek. I hope I pronounced that right. This is a su it's a super chat. It's actually quite fancy. It looks a lot better than our original way of doing cool. it. Anyway, thanks very much. <laughs> Look at that! Isn't that isn't that it's awesome? It's glinting right, just, in the light. It's glinting. Well, let's uh, let's <laughs> let those those disembodied voices, which are uh, I suppose in keeping with Halloween, uh, we'll we'll jump on and uh, and, and say hello to uh, our guests. Uh, we'll start over here with uh, Robbie Pericelli failmuso.com who is a host of uh, synth pro network uh, podcast and a public speaker uh, are you becoming an fm specialist is that yours is that going to be something they put in your uh, on your business card or are you uh, you just on my gravestone I well i didn't want to say that i suppose that would be apt seeing as it's kind of well no it's halloween yeah yeah no i'm in danger of being considered some way competent um which you know, is, is probably the, the furthest from the tr thing from the truth but no yeah it's it's um that seminar we did at synth fest has i mean not only did we pack the hall oh, out which went, is fantastic yeah, it live didn't it it's on it's online yeah now. you can watch it in fact and it's like twenty four thousand views in a week and i know that's probably wow. not massive numbers for some people but for, for somebody to or, you know to for twenty four thousand people to watch something that me and manny put on is is very humbling very um very rewarding so um thank you to everyone that's watched it and i hope you all enjoyed it and uh yeah it's good fun nice uh, i've got to, I, I'll, I'll just show how bad the rest of our comments are because i can just say yeah here lies robbie the only man who sent back a dx7 without the factory preset there we go so another halloween based uh, based Thing. I suppose that works as well. I'm going to save our last guest to last because I think the, the entrance will be much more dramatic yeah. that way. So, uh, <laughs> uh, And we also have Mr. Yoad Nevo there, Nevo San, where he's um, in the controls of his uh, fabulous studio. I, I imagine doing surround mixes and developing all kinds of sample libraries and the sort of thing that you do. How are you, Yoad? You well? Yeah, yeah. A bit under the weather, but trying to ignore it. But uh, I think I'll be fine. It's that and, time. Uh, yeah. And I finally, I think, found the right plectrum for me. So, yes, there is such <laughs> wow. a thing for guitarists, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, very excited about that. Small step for men, but, um, yeah. I'm pleased. I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that. That must be kind of, I don't know, it's, it's like you didn't know you didn't have the right one until you found the, 
didn't no have i was right you know you I'm tr- right i've one. tried i've tried everything i have you know leather because i'm trying you know the normal ones that oh sorry sorry the celluloid ones are too plucky and then i tried leather ones and silicon oh. ones and wow. what have you wooden ones and metal ones and everything uh, because there's something about you know plucking with the fingers that has really nice sound but it, you know sometimes you need to to strum um so this is a nylon pick so it's kind of soft but firm perfect Perfect. So I'm well, pleased with that. I, I, I'm very happy for you, Yoad. That's uh, that's fantastic. I'm sure, <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure people who are into guitars would would identify with that. Actually, that um, I think we did a. I think Rob Chapman did when he used to do videos for us, Chappers. He did a whole video on selecting the right plectrum because it's it's an off It's a bit like you know you things are given away, but there are so many. There's there's oh. a lot of different ways. I like the idea of a silicon one. Silicon one. There's when you're playing so fast. That you know the strings heat up. You're not going to burn your fingers because they're you'll you'll end up with all the <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sure. uh, anyway, lovely to have you. Anyway, and finally, Miss um, Mix Paulie Abo, who is a magical synth. Hello. I'm sorry, I I haven't I still haven't got your. Uh, uh, oh, you got some spook for us. <laughs> I've got some spook for you. I couldn't preview that patch before because um, it's all rooted into the system. So I'm glad it. I'm glad it came out okay. Live programming without being able to hear it. It's kind of like a Beethoven kind of vibe, but there we go. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Put the cut off up, put the vibrato up. Yeah, um, well, this this is just my standard attire, Nick. It's not that far, really, from my standard (laughs) attire. It's a regular Wednesday. But yeah, it's a regular Wednesday. But yeah, um, witchy attire. Yeah, pretty much. so uh, uh, if, I may yeah, be so bold, if I may be so bold, I would have gone with a triangle wave uh, rather than a uh, saw there. But uh, hey, what what can I say? But you know, <laughs> indeed, I, I mean, you know, but pretty close. Yeah, but pretty some close. kind of uh, I mean... makes sense for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Oh, it does. With the, there are Nick, I will. My goodness. I will take synthesis tips off you any day, Nick, with a smile. Oh, that's very kind. And then, <laughs> and then badmouth you behind your back. No, it's so good. And that's the way it should be, really, frankly. It's the British way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've been working on your soundtrack recently? Is, is that what's, what's been happening in your life? I guess... Um, sure. Well, I've been working on the that. sound... I've been working on the sound mix... So that's pretty pretty cool. So I've been pinging like like Yoad and other people have been pinging like messages going, how the hell do I do a a documentary sound mix? And the consensus seems to be let the uh, the uh, speech, the kind of dialogue shine through, right. and then try and uh, like another instrument, like the lead instrument, really. And then place all of your other music around that as a kind of backing band. So, for for example, there's mixes of tracks I've done where I've actually got rid of the lead synth because the the person's voice was taking up that bit of the frequency spectrum, if you understand me, and it was just clashing. So, uh, wow. doing some experiments and uh, and it's going quite well. But other than that, I've been writing some articles for you. 
ah, which yes, has been course. very exciting. Welcome aboard. Uh, in fact, rather and, uh, annoyingly, you got the highest <laughs> the highest grossing numbers for the for an article over, over the last month, which was the ping pong ball base ping, trap. Uh, ping pong uh, balls. I've no idea why it was so popular, but it seems to have captured people's imagination. So um, my next article is going to be kind of spooky and Halloween-like. So look out for that next week. But yes, thanks for um, thanks for showing me the uh, the inner workings of Sonic State on our little video chat. Because for me, it was problem. quite thrilling. Thrilling as a long-time fan, you know. You get behind. <laughs> my you get wife to probably see wouldn't of, understand. It's like, yeah, you get to see the sort of dusty, dismal <laughs> tunnels behind Disneyland. You know, it's, it's, not, it's nowhere That's near it, as, far, yeah, yeah. as far as that. All the miserable people <laughs> scrabbling around behind the kind of the the the, the, the fresh coat of paint. Well, actually, I, I would say fresh, sure. I wouldn't say fresh coat of paint. It's been a while since we've actually redesigned the site. And we probably should do, but yeah, you, I get the feel. Anyway, well, welcome aboard, and it's lovely to have you. Uh, that was just I was just saying that that's. Uh, Big up BG Ollie, uh, Super Chat. This, this is going to be nothing but sound effects. You could be right. That might actually be what it ends up being. But we do have stuff to talk about, so it's not going to be cool. Yeah, well, it may be. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just going to... I, I mean, I do have a mute button, you know, So, I, and I'm not afraid to use it, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Right? Okay, uh, let's see what's... Uh, um, oh, I forgot to mention coming up. Oh, yeah, actually, before I do that, I um, wanted to say, uh, Div Kid Ben, he was wanted to come onto the show, but he couldn't make it. Uh, he's actually going up to Glasgow, where he uh, works with... I, I can't remember the name of the uh, module maker now, um, but they're Scottish. And he's got OC, OCHD uh, module. They, they've got yes. a new module, and they've, and they've got a rather amusingly titled Och... October O H O C H D October October Fest. He's going up there to uh, tomorrow <laughs> Divkid live stream where he's going to announce the new module that he does. I think it's with Instro, isn't it? That's right. That's what I was thinking. So do check that out. Of course, um, last few days of our Yuhi compo, uh, which if you haven't already gone there, uh, you can check that out. That ends at uh, the end of the month. Bitly slash Sonic Yuhi dash twenty three. It will show up in the, um, in the in the stuff. You'll be able to see it. But uh, so let's get that out there. Uh, okay, um, I, I've introduced everybody, haven't I? I'm <laughs> sorry, I've lost track. I've, I've gone in slightly <laughs> off piece. It's all the sound effects. They've just kind of made everything, everything go a bit weird. Right, okay. Um, well, I suppose we could start with. So actually, let's not start with Halloween because we've had some sound effects. Let's go. Let's jump a few topics ahead and go into something uh, that's a little more uh, uh, hardware based. So let me just throw this one up here, and I think it is. If I press this right button, it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to check because I, I, I know I'm going to mess it up. There we go. We'll do this one. Yep. The new Arturia Audio Fuse 16 rig, uh, which we... I, I didn't realise I was being set up to do a zero-day release along with um, Bo and uh, Loot Pop, but that's the way it turned out. So we've got our own uh, review as well. Audio 16 rig. 32 inputs, uh, 28 outputs total. Uh, that's if you're using the ADAT connections, otherwise it's 16 10, I believe. Idea is you can have everything plugged in and it's a sort of centerpiece. They actually, I, I mean, I called it in my review, centerpiece of your uh, of, of your studio. And that they, they use that, I mean, not that I said it, but I, in the final blurb, that was the sort of gist of what they were saying. And again, you know, it's uh, it seems it's that sort of slightly dull but uh, extremely useful and important thing. Um, I mean, I guess for those of us who've got limited space and not got a Neve desk in front of us, the multi-IO uh, uh, um, 
audio interface is definitely something that we might consider. I mean, what do I use here? I think we've. I, I just use the uh, I use the um, the X32 because I can use the inputs and outputs. So that is a fairly massive uh, audio interface. But I, I I must admit I thought this some really nice touches with this, and I think it's a bit cheaper. It's a bit more expensive than I think they were originally hoping. I think what's it work out? At? It's about twelve. <coughs> 11 something, isn't it? UK pounds. So I'm not quite sure what the final price is. Um, interesting. I don't know, but Robbie, you've got a lot of keyboards there. Do you have it all, all mm. plugged in into a one sort of central audio interface or are you sneaking it? No, I would. Yeah. Well, no, I've got sub mixers on like on each stand. So I've got like a, an eight channel mm. mixer on that one and so on. And then they all come into a smaller mixer that sits on my desk and it's, convenient but it's far from ideal uh, and this really caught my eye um if it wasn't so expensive i would probably would have bought it you know on the spot but i'm gonna have to think of this as a a business investment for maybe early next year but yes uh, I, I want something with loads of ins and outs because at the moment i've just got scarlet 2i4 um which barely you know sort of manages so this looks it looks great. That's the other thing. Is, is I, I'm a does, you know, I'm like yeah, Ty. My favourite nice colour is orange. So those little orange uh, rack ears that turn into feet as well, which I thought was a cool, like, cool thing. Yeah. Um, so visually, it looks amazing. Um, I don't doubt that it sounds pretty good um, up against its its competition because I think Arturia they seem to be hitting it out of the park with everything they do over the last few years. They've just absolutely nailed everything. So I don't doubt that this is. Um, uh, going to be really, really good quality. But yeah, as many ins and outs as possible. Thank you very much, and I'll have some of that. Yeah, well, there's a, there are two mic preamps, uh, so you get the, the the gain and the uh, phantom power on those, and then the rest. Are, uh, they're yeah. very, it's very nicely built. They're bolted to the to the to the rear, so there's no you know if you if you do like we most do have our cables hanging off there, it, it's not mm. going to put any stress on the uh, circuit board. It's just lots of nice touches, like the reamping output. Uh, duplicating outputs three and four on the front panel so you could easily just stick an effects yes. loop in or plug in something else having an eighth inch jack on the front having the midi um the midi connectivity host mode and all that stuff it's, it seems like a nice thing i mean one one of the commenters on the, our review anyway they were sort of saying they were thinking about the rme U, uh, ufx uh three which you know which is a, is a, it's about another 800 quid but you you don't get quite as many um audio inputs but you do get dsp on board and that was one thing that i think would be kind of interesting i don't know uh, paulie what uh, what's your yes what what are you using for your audio interface do you have multi-channel or do you just plug it in as and when you need i've i've got both now i used to just plug it in as i needed and actually that way of working really lets you get a lot out of a single synth you know and and it used to be a little challenge to do like a one synth song just because i was too lazy to plug something else in but then you know i went pro and was like i'm gonna get some more ins and outs so i've actually kept the same sound card i used since 2002 using a legacy pci driver so um that's that's for uh, that's like a creative one like you know the emu ones for some oh, yeah. obscure software so that's got a couple of ins and outs but then i use asio for all in a kind of it can actually merge asio streams so right. i've got a i've got a yamaha desk which is really nice that's got um four i mean i don't use them as yet but it's got four phantom power 
compressor channels and then the rest are, you know, just standard. And is that one of the MGs if I need, the AGs? Uh, the MWs, which MW. is the same as the MG. It's just, just right. grey instead of blue. And then I've got uh, an Ederol Firewire interface because my Ooh, old sound old card has a Firewire. Uh, well, I got it really, really cheap and it actually sounds really good. So that gives me a couple of um, sends mainly. I basically have connected that digitally to a Lexicon PCM81 and then I can right. just route anything through my system through the Lexicon, you know, to make it sound expensive. <laughs> so that's good. But I know that one day one of these pieces is going to break. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. all of this 2000s tech is, is surface mount. It's probably not going to be repairable. So... If I ever had to upgrade, I would be going for something like this in a rack, you know, with plenty of I.O., but a few front panel bits because I yeah. still like to, you know, bring in instruments out of, I call it overstock. It's basically a pile of keyboards in the corner of another room. Bring in a synth from overstock and then plug it in, you know, that's... And I don't want everything hidden behind a, a rack. So there we go. I'm waffling, but... There's my thoughts. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, yeah, it sounds like kind of complex, but it, it, uh, Nick Howes in the chat was saying that, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm pressing the wrong buttons here, but uh, that something ASIO for all is a horrid as a protocol, but it uh, sounds like you've got it working. Uh, and, yes. And, and, yeah. That, I, I think the, uh, I, I don't know, I, Yoad, I think the um, Motu, there's a lot of Motu users in our uh, in the chat room and which have always been let you know they've been around for a long time and i guess because a lot of people have them it's not the sort of thing that you change very often it's not often that you get i mean we've still got adat ports and midi ports which are what 30 years old on them there's nothing sort of yeah. <laughs> new so uh, and i remember i went to um i went to uh, metropolis uh work with spike stent on a golf rap album and i was really surprised to see him just he just had a load of motu uh I guess 16 channel interfaces and he brought those directly and straight out of logic straight into the ssl desk and just mixed and that's how he did it and it was just i thought it was kind of interesting i don't know what what your io is so um so where shall i start i mean that there are basically two approaches to to this whole uh thing one is that you want everything connected and then it means that you if you have a lot of synths and a lot of inputs then you need an a to d for each one and probably a mic pre or at least a line amplifier for each one so um, and this is how my studio is set up so i have 60 inputs here and uh, we did a mod uh, with malcolm atkin and um, where the the desk has a mic input a line input and we have a third input which is um, a line a neve line kind of input which goes into an auxiliary into four auxiliary sense so basically i have 60 inputs besides the line input and the mic input on the desk so everything yeah. is connected uh, all the scenes can be connected to neve preamps and stuff like that and then uh, i used to have 60 um the avid uh, io i don't have them anymore i sold them uh, because I'm now using a different approach, which is everything is available on patch bays. So the, the desk itself has a Bantam patch bay with 512 kind of uh, points, because if you think about it, 60 mic inputs, line inputs, 
insert send, insert return, uh, direct outs, auxiliary sends, and and buses. So it it adds up. So everything is is on those, and they are extended into um, five um, two hundred and fifty six TRS points across Army. the room. So all the synths are connected to them. So everything is kind of it's mo it's modular, and uh, and 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 as well as CV and gate for the synths. So I can um, control. Let's say from the mat matrix brute, I can control everything on this end and vice versa and things like that. So there's like a audio path and uh, as well as MIDI path with the mark of the unicorn old. MIDI timepiece, which I have four of, and one goes that you know, so there's a lot of stuff and everything is available. That's the that's the kind of yeah. idea. Um, at the same time, I'm not using everything at once, which means I don't need all these A to D's. So if I'm recording one synth or two synth or a few like, you know, drums from the other room or vocals or guitars or something, I, I rarely use more than eight inputs, you know, right. in reality. So, um, um, <clears throat> so the fact that everything is available on patch points and then you have however many, 24 A to Ds, that, that's enough. Um, but I want to point what out those? What, what, what's your audio interface then? Are you, so I have the SDG, I have the, um, the sound grid, the waves, um, SDG 2412, uh, which has 24 outputs and 12 input, uh, 24 inputs and 12 outputs. So that serves me perfectly for the Dolby Atmos, which is 714. And then I have 24 real time inputs which I rarely use, you know, more than eight, like I said, but it's nice to have them there. But I want to say that um, for people on, but on a budget, there's this kind of thing, which I couldn't help. I'm not using it, but I, I just, it's so elegant. It's a kind of AV switch box. So it's eight, eight inputs into one output uh, so it it's basically eight stereo inputs plus RCA, right a v a kind of video input so basically you have three per channel so now since most scenes are, are mono at least the old ones and even if they have like a roland chorus or something which is kind of noisy and you want to bypass it anyway then you know you can use a mono in uh, output from the synth and then you can use the other two for cv and gate inputs to that synth so that means that if you have a box like that somewhere near like a bunch of synths on a rack in with total of eight you can actually have one cv and one gate going to that rack one audio output going back to your you know, interface, and then you can switch between eight different scenes to, to, so that you can feed them with CV and gate and an audio. And this costs, and this is totally passive. So there's no, the, the, it's just switches. So there's 
the sound is not uh, you know you're not no kind of pre-mixing it or and stuff like that so it's completely transparent it's like 20 quid or 30 quid or something like that so if you have even if you have loads of synths and you can have one in each corner of the room you end up with you know one cv and gate which i can send from wherever keyboard or controller or something like that can feed the the only thing is that you you operate one synth at a time which is usually yeah. the case because you know we work in the box and then we go out to record a minimoog or something like that and then you print it and you're done so um that's an so interesting you know most what about crosstalk need. Would you, do you end what's the crosstalk like when you're running cv and gate and uh, a uh uh, uh, an audio signal in that nothing on that same, the same nothing place. because oh. it's uh, it's it's dc so uh once you have you know on your on your a to d or whatever you use obviously if you go into the desk there's a transformer so it will fil filter out the the dc but uh most a to d's will have like a, a high pass filter at five hertz or something like that so so it's nothing it's not it's not audio That's it's it's a great um, idea it's DC, yeah. So this is something I, you know, I highly recommend for, for people on, on a budget. So what's that, what's that called? Is it just a generic AV switcher? So I don't think it, it's called audio and video selector, VSW81. But I think that it varies because on eBay, you'll find them, you'll find the same thing uh, with different kind of uh, labels and stuff. But it's, uh, I'll just show it here. It's just... You know, so you you connect your yeah. your MIDI your output from your synth, and then you connect the CV here and the gate here, and you know it will That's go to great. eight pieces of gear. I might have to look into that. That sounds like a great tip, a top tip. Have you learned it here, folks? I should also point out we've got uh, that, Rob. You found uh, sixteen ninety nine on Amazon for that particular yeah. unit. So nice, nicely yeah, found. Yeah. Excellent. It's if you just uh, Google um, the the code that AV um, Yoad yeah. gave, which I think was what was it again? Yeah, or, yeah. There was a number as well, wasn't there? Um, VSW eighty one. Yeah, it just throws it up on Amazon sixteen ninety nine. So. Nice. Good work, excellent. Well, it's it's it's. I'm I'm so pleased with that, and it's a great juxtaposition, Yoad. I was just sitting there talking about your 60 input Neve and this tiny little <laughs> uh, AV, but it just gives me great pleasure, and I'm sure it does you as well. It's nothing like a work. It's just so elegant, you know. The I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm quite pleased that about the, you know, the 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 way I figured out how to make it work with CV and Gate. Not that I've used it, but I just couldn't help but buying it. Right. I, I will say that you may you may want to open it and kind of ground it properly or something like that, uh, cr the board to the chassis or something like that. If you but but that that should be easy. Um, yeah. And then there's then there's all those RCA adapter bad. connectors you're going to have to have to <laughs> wire up as well. But excellent, right? Okay, well let's get on to another uh, another topic. So. Uh, we'll come back. Um, I guess we'll we'll do this one. I mean, this is this this, uh, this really does affect everybody, really. And I think this was a, an article that's on uh, 
Gear news, uh, Bank has le uh, a latest after sell-off. There's been lots of news that uh, after 18 months ago, uh, Epic bought Bandcamp, which is sort of beloved distribution platform for many independent artists. Earlier this yeah. month, it was also sold to SongTrader, a music licensing platform for brands and agencies. Uh, uh, October um, 17th, uh, this was a story that was run on uh, Gear News, which I know Robbie uh, writes for, 50% uh, of the employees were let go or sacked. Uh, feels a bit of a blow for the independent artists as they did so much good. I guess it could be it could be good news. A song trader licensing and distribution part could be sort of leverage means that if you're part of it, you actually get you know put in the pot and maybe your stuff will show up uh, or be asked for syncs and stuff and part mm -hmm. and stuff that's sort of generally outside of the band Bandcamp ecosystem. And maybe I think a lot of people are sort of bemoaning. And I, I didn't really uh, follow this, but there was quite a lot of editorial in Bandcamp, which kind of helped discover new acts and kind of put a, a playlist together and whatnot. And we don't know yeah. whether it's going to mean, you know, yet another subscription on top of everything else. But uh, I don't know. Take a wild guess. It's one of those things. And I'll, I'll let you go first, Rob, because um, I, I don't think you wrote that article, but you may well be aware no. of it and aware of the situation. But it's so I, I didn't understand where uh, the fit when Epic bought Bandcamp. Um, I, I don't think Bandcamp were in any sort of significant financial trouble, and I didn't understand why why Epic were interested in them particularly. Mm. Song Trader would have made a better fit of the two. Now, the sale of Bandcamp to Song Trader is kind of part of a bigger deal. If you look into it, there's lots of things going on behind the scenes between Song Trader and, and, and Epic. And Epic, I think, built themselves up on the on the success of Fortnite and, and now all of a sudden now Fortnite's not really flavor of the month anymore. They're 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 feeling it. Um so I think that's probably why they're having to divest of yeah. certain things. Um, the Bandcamp is utterly brilliant and it's brilliant for all artists, whether you, you are somebody like you know, myself, I've got a couple of tracks on there. Nobody buys them, but Hey, they're, you know, they're there. If people want them, um, right up to the, the level of people like Peter Gabriel, whose subscription service is three pounds a month and you get access to all of this amazing stuff in, you know, high quality, you know, lossless mm. files, um, the communication between artist and customer is perfect. Um, as you said, Bandcamp do the whole editorial thing and they curate artists. They have artists of the week and artists of the month and genre specific things. And it really is. It, it's so many people I buy stuff from, from Bandcamp and it's not just music, it's merchandise. It's all sorts of other things. It's a brilliant place. And when this news broke, so many artists that I follow, um we're just like oh my god you know this is this this beloved thing that seemed to have grown out of a, a really genuine place is now just a corporate hot mm. potato and and it's really sad to see and then you know they they lay, lay off these people now i think some people are blaming song trader for that some people are saying that epic laid these people off before they moved them to song trader i don't know i mean there's always going to be some kind of fallout like this when you merge two companies because you're going to have certain people doing the same thing and a business is a business and they're not going to pay two people to do the same job so i guess that kind of thing is inevitable and that's really sad and i'm just very worried because if Bandcamp does go all corporate and, and it, it loses that that lovely goodwill and positivity from particularly unsigned up-and-coming artists 
um, it's it's going to um, be a real, real shame. And I don't know where else. I don't, I don't know of an, an alternative. No, I mean, that is as I, good I as Bandcamp. Exactly. The thing the thing about Bandcamp is that it's so powerful. It's really easy to put some music up there. Yeah, they get a cut. It's not as heinous as anything else, but it yeah. means that your tracks can be embedded by other people if they discover it and shared and all those things. Yeah, yeah. It's just very, very easy and artist friendly. And I suppose that's that's the thing that, that we're worried about. And I agree. I mean, some blame has to be led at the door of the original Bandcamp owners, presumably, because why did they sell it in the first place? I mean, it, I, I guess, you know, you want to cash out at some point. I mean, that's a bit unfair of me, I suppose, because some people's strategy is build something up and sell it. I mean, that's OK. It's a it's just a shame in this instance. I know, Yoad, I, I, you know, I, I know that like a lot of big artists actually, you know, that I, um, it was uh, a gunship actually who I met at um, at uh, Synthfest. They came out and thrust an album in my hand and said, "Oh, you know, the, the fans of the show." And I thought, you know, and they were they were top twenty at midweek in the album charts. And then, you know, I looked on Bandcamp and I could listen to their stuff. You know, there were embeds there, and it's like uneasy. And I much prefer it to Spotify. I really don't feel good about Spotify at all. So, but I'm glad that people are using it. I just hope it continues. I don't know whether you use it for anything. Um, I, I, I have to say that I'm not the kind of, um, average user for Bandcamp, um, on either side of the, of the fence, like on neither side of the fence, because I'm not releasing music. I work with artists who are signed to mostly to labels or have management or whatever the deal is, and they do it. And, um, and a lot of people ask me, a lot of people that I work with, um, you know, like newcomers and um, and and people, because I, I do a lot of work through uh, Soundbetter, which is a, a platform um, for for professionals, because that way I can keep you know in touch with people who are who are unsigned and um, and and it's really good for me because I get to work on different kinds of music. Um, but also as as a developer of of audio products, it uh, you know I get mixes for all sorts of of genres and and uh, producers and uh, on different levels, and it's really really good to to it really helps me with when developing audio products as well as mixing because it keeps me kind of on top of things, but. Um, but so a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the next step? What do you do? How do I market it? Market, market the, the songs and how do I distribute them? And I always say my work ends here at the, you know, after the fade oh, out, the fade out. <laughs> right. that's, that's me, you know, that's me done. So, um, so I don't really know. I never understood. I've been in this business for, for many years. I never understood how the distribution and marketing and all this works. Uh, this is something that labels do and managers and, um, and obviously and sync. Right people and publishers and all that that's mm. totally not my thing i know that a lot of people use bandcamp and it's kind of yeah in that sense it's it's a little bit but you know it's at the end of the day what we do is called the music business and we 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 can't forget it because uh one, mm. once something becomes a household or or 
you know, there's a lot of traffic, a lot of whether it's making money or not, then someone will go and and buy it and try to cash in on that. Um, and most times it won't be to the benefit of the of the users. So hopefully this will not be the case. Yeah. No, fair enough. I, I appreciate that point that your your um, input on that, and it it makes sense. I mean, Paulie, it, it's yeah, it's the it's sort of the home of the independent artist or the up and coming, isn't it? Because it's an easy sure. way. I mean, you know, I put a few tunes on there years ago, and it sort of still makes me feel good that I occasionally sell one. It makes you feel sort of like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I still have a sort of a, 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 some sort of a. a, a, a a horse in the race or however you you know whatever metaphor you want to use it for it sort of feels like an easy way to be involved without sure. having to be yeah yeah definitely without having to do the whole pay distro kid or cd baby which is slightly more formal isn't it you like you pay them for like an amount of cds or whatever um so Bandcamp had always had that kind of community feel to it uh, that kind of DIY community feel um, where you kind of look, you release your own stuff, maybe you check out some other artists while you're there. Um, and, you know, there's this sense of, yeah, community. Um, but I guess at risk of the, turning this into a mental health podcast again, which I do every week, um, in life, when when things happen outside of our control, however hard it is, it's sometimes good to look at them as an opportunity so that some of those people who will let go are probably really talented, have contacts, no like music infrastructure and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they'll launch their own new platform, you know, uh, a kind of yeah. s a new spiritual home for independent artists on the... We see it with all kinds of companies, don't we? I think some of the, the ex-Moog employees in Asheville have set up their own, uh, you know, yeah, synthesizer well, that's, yeah, company. That, that, that's true. It's the, it, so it, it could well, be an opportunity for... I don't think, you know, that DIY, almost punk ethic, community music ethic is going to go anywhere it's going to take a lot more than one website to become corporately owned for you know independent yeah, well, artists not to that's a fair emote and create i think there that's also one of the thing point. The... <laughs> sorry robbie i was just say one of the things about bank i mean we're all saying it's great for independent artists but it's also, you know, there's some really major artists on on bank camp as well yeah and yeah. it gives gives those of us who are not those kind of artists a sense of, well, hey, look, we're actually all on a level playing field here. I can buy sure. uh, music by Peter Gabriel or I can buy music by Sleaford Mods and, and I can buy music from Paulie or, or Sonic State, you know, all on the same place, all on a platform that delivers it in such a really, really good way. And if you find an artist on there that you really, really like and you want to support them, you can subscribe to them and they'll if they you know they they have a subscription thing there's the option you don't have to but you can subscribe to a particular artist and give them a few quid a week or month or whatever and you get all of their content and everything that they do um subsequently and it's i just think it's a great it's a great great platform and i just i'd be gutted to see it go 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that, that's totally fair. And I, I mean, also, I mean, artists like Peter Gabriel, they pretty much own their own stuff now. I mean, they were um, Peter was mm. uh, um, amongst the first to kind of go, I'm going to buy the rights to all my multis back. I'm going to own it. I'm going to decide what I want to do with it. And I will... I will hire record companies to do the job for me when I need it to be done rather yeah. than be beholden to them. And I, th and I think the other thing not to forget is it's sort of a bit like MySpace. It's like, you know, I, it used to be, where's your, where, have you got a yeah. MySpace page? Okay. But the thing, the difference between Bandcamp and, and all of those other ones is you can just go, here's my stuff and you can buy it there or download it for free or yeah. whatever it is that you choose to do. And that's that that sort of flat distribution model is, is like you say, Robbie, is really powerful and really uh, important. Mm. And I, I hope that doesn't go away and they don't they don't end up losing loads and loads of people. Um, I guess, you know, storage of all that music is going to be costly there as it gets more popular. There's there's there are cloud costs. There are costs. But presumably, I mean, it's not an insignificant. They take twenty to thirty percent, apart from the Bandcamp Fridays when they do half. I mean, it's not a you know, it's not an unreasonable uh, percentage to take, and it feels somehow more benign. So I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I expect they do different deals for people like Gabriel and everybody, the bigger artists who got. They probably <laughs> get preferred rates, and that's fine, you know, because they are poster children for a platform, which is you know those those are the sort of deals you have to do. Are very apt uh, in, in in many ways because uh, that's the mastering phase, uh, which won't be the last thing that you do. I suppose if I was going to be really slick about it, this is when I would bring in uh, the segue into my next topic, which is uh, actually the Lander uh, AI mastering plugin. Which, uh, as we know, this is this is a big growth area. So let's just in this video, that. I'm going to show you how to get. Oh, if I press the right button, I suppose I should. I've done that. It's that thing that I do. Okay, let me just. Uh, <laughs> I'll, fi I'll find it. It's all right. That's. Uh, <laughs> no. Nope. I'll get That's the cat. That's the cat. Don't give it? away Let's the cat, look. Nick. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. In this video, I'm going to show you how to get the perfect master with the world's first and most powerful AI mastering engine right in your DAW. Lander Mastering Plugin analyzes the unique sound of your track in real time while delivering masters that truly stand out while giving you full control over the final results. With Lander's AI mastering engine reacting to your track, you'll always get... Okay, I mean, there's a lot of waffle in there, uh, yeah. but essentially, you know, th this is... It, Lander uh, were amongst the first of the mastering uh, services to offer uh, a sort of online con uh, component where you would upload your thing and it would machine learn and it would come back with a kind of, here's what I think. As we know, Isotope use machine learning rather than AI uh, uh, to, yeah. to, to teach their algorithms. And I was speaking to Gaz the other day and he was saying, I, I think I'm going to stop mastering because last time I tried, he tried, he's a user of Ozone 11, so last time I tried, what that suggested was so close to what I would have done anyway, it sort of feels like I may as well not bother. <laughs> and I suppose in a way, what I'm, what I'm curious about is, is, are we looking at some of these edge cases which are starting to show that uh, machine learning and AI is, is taking on roles that, you know, perhaps... I mean, I, I'm sure you know yeah. you can't be a top-notch mastering engineer, but ultimately, you know, for the rest of us, this doesn't seem too bad. I mean, same sort of price as Ozone. So, I know, yeah, you must know because I mean, you know, you pre-master your stuff presumably, but I, I guessing you probably work with specific mastering engineers. You know, you have f f specific projects, so you know the kind of uh, roster. I've, so I've been mastering my own stuff uh, for many, many years, and I do a lot of mastering. I've done. I try to to count something like seven thousand songs. A lot of people send me stuff to masters, uh, to master albums and and singles and stuff. And again, I do a lot of mastering through Sound Better. Um, 
Um, and um, that was after I was kind of disappointed with mixes that I, you know, albums that I worked on that uh, went to mastering houses. That was in the kind of early days when stuff was done kind of hybrid, analog and digital. Um, and that was um, when I was already working at Waves and we developed the master's bundle. So um, I learned a lot about the whole process and um, through development of those tools that everyone uses, like the L2 and the L3 and, and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, so... I don't use mastering engineers. A lot of people oh, okay. use me as their master, mastering engineer. Um, but, um, uh, and recently, just before I left Waves, um, I worked on the Waves online mastering service, um, which is, uh, in theory, it's kind of similar to, to what Lander are doing, uh, which is a machine learning based, um, algorithm obviously we we tweaked this algorithm a lot and um and you know i had a lot of input on the sonics of how it sounds and 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 all that um i think that the motivation to to do it as a service is there's two things one is the the fact that you can do a subscription model and uh, and things like that the other is just technical because um, you have to wait for the machine to to analyze for the process to analyze the entire song um, because if you if you just analyze parts of it then you you're bound to have surprises and it's not enough just to 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 do the to learn the the last chorus which is pro presumably the hardest the, the loudest or something like that right. so gotcha. you need to analyze the whole thing in order to get a really um kind of precise profile of of the track um and then there's some sort of user so you know what the, i'm talking about the model that that we used uh, and lander is is quite similar in that sense so we provide the what we think is suitable or the kind of optimized um master for for this specific song and then the user can tweak it um but you can't tweak it the, the whole idea is um, a lot of people are afraid of mastering. They don't know what it is. It's a very delicate process. It's a very precise process. And like I said once in an interview, I said that I kind of squeeze 20 years of mastering experience into like 1.4 dB or 1.2 dB, you know. So, so it's very precise and and... It's very different than mixing. It's not a creative process. It shouldn't be a creative process. If it's a creative process, then you're in pro. You you know that's not what it is. Um, so, so on one hand, um, the making it online solves uh, uh, the problem of the user having to wait because once you upload something, then you know you have to wait because you upload it, and while you're uploading it we're already kind of starting to analyze the, the file in right. chunks and things like that to, to opt, you know, to save time and things. And then you understand that you have to wait. And then once you, once it's ready for playback, then you can do the tweaks 
kind of in real time, but the tweaks are not mm. freely um, available like in Ozone and, and sort of local processes because the tweaks are actually playing you different versions of the same file which are kind of pre-processed offline. Um, so that's why it lends itself really good to, to online services. Uh, but now it kind of with Lander, what they did is that they they've made the the full circle and it and they bring it back to your computer, which is a bit absurd because mastering is something that you traditionally you do locally. So they started the the, the online process and now they they bring it back to the computer. I think that people are more open to waiting. For stuff you know i know that ozone 11 um you wait something like uh, because they do analyze only the loudest part of the song and i think that they ask mm. you to play the loudest sound uh, part of the song or something and it gives you a, you know it gives you a, a nice uh, way of profiling the song in terms of loudness and busyness and harshness and things like that but sometimes you you need you need more uh, people, I think, are more open to, and and they understand that neural networks is something that you have to to feed with Try with data to and out. to wait. Mm. So I think that people are are more kind of so. So now is is the right time to make that move and bring it um, back to kind of local processing. Interesting. That that's an interesting idea. I suppose. I mean, and it's it's a very. I, I guess the thing is because they went quite early. There was quite a lot of resistance, and, and and I think you know initially it probably wasn't all that finessed. And now because there's obviously so much more data they've got to work with, it makes a huge a huge. I think you might have just picked up uh, a a. a, a <laughs> a punter there. Abbey Road Mastering Service was not really impressive. Next time I'll consider Yoad. So there you go. You got you've got one there. <laughs> so maybe you get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is really interesting. I, I mean, traditionally, Paulie, yes. it's it's sort of it comes out of the artist's hands, and you, it's almost. I mean, I remember when I was doing it, you know, back in the day, you know, not mastering, but, yeah. you know, you take it, you're, you finish your record, you take it to somebody else and you're listening to it on a specific system and you get the benefit of their experience of what they might do or what they might not do sure. to kind of just make it all better. It sort of feels like that was quite magical to a degree and maybe this just... But yes, I don't yes. Know, if, if it's scientific, as Yoad said, is it really all that necessary to be human? It's interesting... Hmm. It is really interesting because I guess, you know, you can have a clean, clear track which will play across a decent range of systems, you know, in a car or uh, on iPod headphones. Um, and it's important that your master sounds good in, in all of those. But there is a kind of, there are certain stylistic choices to be made. And I'm wondering if everybody's music, you know, genres vary, don't they, in the yeah. harmonic content? I just have to try it out, to be honest. I'll give it a go. Mm. I've got to say that learning to master was such a rewarding process for me um, because it did feel like a, uh, a complete other world. I don't think there's another art form where you, you finish something and then you have to put it through an entirely different process, you know. If you're a chef, you're cooking meal. Calibrating in video. 
Yeah, oh, okay, exactly, yeah, yeah. Color grading like, in color... video. Yeah, same that is a good. Thing, yeah. That is a good point. There we go. Touche, touche, yo ad. I'll get you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's Halloween, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Amazing Everybody's stuff. It. It's great. So yeah, um, I don't know. I but think it's a, it you see the mastering process and why I'm not particularly trustful of giving my masters to something else other than the process I know is that mastering tends to uh, throw up errors in my mix, basically. Once right. I put my mix through the mastering process, I'm like, oh, actually, my mix isn't that. quite as good as I thought it was. So essentially, then I go back to my, you know, my studio, because my mastering rig's all separate, a separate listening environment where I can just, you know, really chill out and hone in on the the sound of it. Mm. So I go back to my environment, I go, right, I'll, I'll um, instead, I'll get some stems out of this instead of just one track, and then I'll import it separately and then master it that way. So that I can right. tweak that one offending part. So it's quite an involved process for me, and it's it takes a lot of um, a being. Basically, I take someone else's track and play that, put that in a in a different project, and then I keep on a being between my track and their track till mine doesn't sound embarrassing. That's literally <laughs> that's literally my process. I don't think my track sounds that. like quite... <laughs> my track sounds like crap compared to this, you know. Yeah, yeah, this, that's an this masterpiece. I so wonder, a b I mean, a b. I wonder whether or not that's an interesting. You know, it doesn't say in the blurb for the land of thing. You know, there's a stems <laughs> mode because that would make a lot of sense. It's like okay, I yeah, want yeah, to definitely in stems mode, and I can, so you don't have to. You can you can focus in on the actual audio file. You don't have to separate it out I, in terms um, of frequency stuff. So that that would make a lot of sense, I think, if they could. I always, at very least, do a separate stem for the drums. Because for some reason, in the mastering process, sometimes the drums end up not sitting like they did, you know, in my studio. Uh, and on different systems and things like that. So I'll at, I'll at least do maybe a separate stem for the drums and a separate stem for the the music. Maybe as, you know, I progress and get even better at mixing, I won't need to do that. But I found a system that works for me and no one's pulled, no one's accosted me in the street and gone, your masters are terrible. So hopefully oh, well, I'm doing enough. a okay job. <laughs> I don't know, Robbie, it's there interesting, isn't it? That, you know, because it used to be instrumental and uh, a, a TV mix, instrumental mix, full mix. That was basically, yeah. the, that's what you got, yeah. that's what you did. You provided those and they were sorted, you know, and that's what you had. Now it's yeah. with stems and whatnot, it's so much more complex. I mean, I, I, I don't have a need for mastering much myself these days, but uh, I, I, I don't know whether you do or not, you know, whether it's it's sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my output is so rare that i've I've never needed to I, I just mix it does it sound good yeah then i'll put it up wherever i'm going to put it up i don't do it that often but i, I i'm i i'm uh, oblivious to the the skills of uh, a mastering engineer and, and what they do so i couldn't really comment as to whether this does a good job or a bad job but um whenever i hear the term ai or, or you know i just want yeah what creative process is this going to hinder and as yo had said and, and i've i 
I, you know, with my limited knowledge, it is shouldn't be, I guess, a creative process because you know that you, you should be happy with the mix and what the mastering engineer is doing is making sure that it's going to sound good on all the distribution formats that you're you know you're going to be releasing the material on, whether it's vinyl or digital or, or so on and so forth. So that process is kind of detached. I'm not saying it's you know it's not a creative process in and of itself, but it, it shouldn't mm. be part of your creative process. Um, however, it's one of those things that I guess if there, if it is a scientific process, then there is kind of like a right way and a wrong way to do mastering for certain, you know, formats. And therefore that is something that AI should be really good at. Cause I think it was Gaz that said, yeah. you know, he's quite happy to use AI when it alleviates him from the tedium of doing, you know, boring things like, you know, changing channels and you know all if ai can help him be more creative rather than less creative i guess that's probably i guess tell me if i'm right or wrong but i that's how i would see um ai being used to the benefit of a, of a creative whether it's a musician or, or whatever that it actually yeah. enables him to be more creative and i guess mastering if it's more scientific than it is creative is probably an ideal candidate. And they've been doing this now, you know, they've had the online thing for quite a while. So they've, they must've built yeah. up quite an, an amount of data to understand and get this. So, yeah, I mean, if I had a, a, an interest in mastering, I, I would definitely look at it, but I don't. Oh, fair enough. I just want to add one one thing. The fact that um, what I meant when I said that mastering is not shouldn't be a creative process is it shouldn't kind of fix problems or change balances in your mix in in a creative yeah. way. Uh, the mastering engineer obviously has their taste, which is part yes. of the process, but but it shouldn't be a very dramatic kind of change to the actual mix. Um, on top of all the technical kind of things that you have to 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 overcome or, or you encounter, um, I want to mention um, AI Master by Exonic UK, uh, which is on version 1.6, and um, I helped them a bit with um, again, you know, it's an AI process, but still there's a matter of taste and human kind of. Yes input to the whole process obviously when you know when um when we tweak it it's not like we can listen to every song in the world but it's a sort of a general vibe of you know of something that the machine brings you back and then you tweak it to to taste and then hopefully it will work on on a large number of yeah. uh, of tracks, which which it does. So uh, and that's a local process as well. It never AI Master was never an online and then came back to to being a local process. It started as a local process. So you buy the plugin once and then you know you you, you can use it forever. So which is mm, which is. Yeah. I think beneficial, like if you want to come back, sorry, I will just finish one, one more thing. I think the best thing to do, if you are mastering your, your stuff on your own with the aid of AI or whatever, the best thing to do is rather than trying to solve problems in the mastering, if you have the, yeah. the, the opportunity to go back and tweak the mix, that's the best yeah. thing you can do. 
Right, definitely. That's a fair point, yeah. Okay, well, I, I mean, we could talk of this at ages. I think it's really interesting, I mean, because, I mean, obviously, originally mastering engineers were also... They were involved in the, maybe the sequencing of vinyl, you know, the side A, side sure. B, what would fit, you know, all of that kind of stuff. There was a lot more to it yes. uh, where there perhaps was more creative input. So, yeah, it's, an, it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, time, I think. OK, I, I, I know we're running a bit later than usual, but we do have to go to our first topic, which I, I jumped, which was because I didn't want the whole show to be just dominated, front-loaded with Halloween sounds. So I'm just going to play this one. Um, this is Halloween's... Uh, it's Halloween again, what's scary? And this is one uh, clip that you sent in, uh, uh, Paulie. This is a cat. I'm not sure what that synth is. It looks a bit like a Yamaha, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's a CS5, I think. It's a CS5. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oops. There we go, synth spotters. Uh, uh, that was... Yeah. I would just press that. Yeah, there we go. Call my cat playing a scary synth. It's really John Catpinter. <laughs> oh yes, it's perfect. Uh, oh, it is a CS5. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That's a chair yeah. making some fun. Sounds very cello. -like. That one's especially yeah. lovely. Yeah, very nice intervals. So yeah, what where is, is, where is polyphonic yeah. aftertouch when you need it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know. <laughs> well, there is it's actually great, that was yeah. something I didn't. Yeah, there, uh, there, there's so there are sounds. We we do this occasionally. There were sort of what sounds that you find yes. scary. I'm going to go with mine first, and you'll just have to listen carefully. So this is something that I think some people will identify with. Okay, ready. There we go. Oops, sorry, that was a little bit loud. So mine, mine is like the, the, just the sound of noise, the sort of that something really loud is about to happen or there's some feedback going. That can be quite uh, tension-inducing. And I did mention, I've mentioned sure. this before, I think it was, in, um, it was in Jurassic Park where there was a section where uh, I think they were hiding in the kitchen and then suddenly the noise floor in the cinema just came and it just sounded like someone had turned the, the sound system in the cinema up really loud. Yes. And so it was like, oh my God. Some, so it made everybody really uncomfortable because they thought something really loud that wasn't supposed to happen was going to happen. But it was very effective in a sort of psychoacoustic fashion. So uh, that's my that's my one anyway. So I know that some people have got some other uh, um, <laughs> sounds going. Uh, we'll, we'll come to you first, Robbie. Did you have any uh, anything specific? Is there anything that actually I you think... genuinely find uncomfortable that, you know, it's like, I don't like listening to that sound. It makes me, cause the, the ominous drone, of course, is, uh, is always omnipresent. Yeah. Fingernails down blackboards. That's always, oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, this makes me just go right on edge. I think the scariest sound in my studio is when the DX1's relays decide to um, to start giving out and they just start clicking. And you, you just sat here and all of a sudden you hear this... Oh, oh dear. Because you know that's going to be expensive and that is scary. Um, but yeah, things like nails <laughs> down blackboards, uh, that, that's... Uh, or, or a hard drive that's about to give out because you can hear that... Ticking, oh, yes. That's, Technologically yeah, that's based. Or squealing squealing tires is quite distressing, isn't it? Particularly if you're out, out and about because um, you just think, oh, my God, what's mm. happened? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Paul, yeah, Paulie, what about, I've got a, what about you? I've got a brilliant one, right? And this, this is something that's been... That was very scary for my next-door neighbour. So, essentially, I don't know if you've noticed, but me and my wife are, are a little eccentric. Just, just a tad. But... <laughs> But anyhow, um, I think it was two Halloweens ago. 
I sorry, so, you can you hear me, your, by the way? Yeah, I can. Yo, Adi, you're doing. The, you've got okay. that USB thing going. Uh, if you, Yo, Adi sorts that out. You oh. carry on, Paulie. It's creepy. I'm sorry, so it, it kind of creepy. adds. <laughs> it adds to the story. So essentially, m my wife uh, is a uh, is a witch, a good witch, by the way. She's not an evil one, but at the same time, you don't want to cross her. And uh, at this time, it's Samhain, which is pagan New Year. And she's she was doing a cleansing ritual. Now, we didn't have any pumpkins that year, so she had a turnip. And essentially what oh, she was, she was, head to, she was head to toe in black lace, right? With very, wow. very heavy makeup on her eyes and white face paint on. And she was there with a little... She was doing a good luck spell for the year. So she was there, bent over this turnip in a very, very creepy voice, throwing sage at it, going, dispel, dispel, dispel. <laughs> and the neighbour comes out to, to put his bin out and he goes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it was honestly, it was the most syllab syllables I'd ever heard in a single sentence. <laughs> what the hell are you doing in like the, in the space of like one second? And he looked white, he looked whiter, white as a sheet, <laughs> whiter than my wife who was covered in white makeup. So there we go. That's a, um, that's the time we terrified our neighbor by, by doing <laughs> weird rituals. At this time, wow, okay. there was another time where uh, she invited her friends over and, and we had like a, a bonfire going and I had this broken zither and I just did a brown on it. And then they all started chanting and dancing around the fire just for a laugh. <laughs> but I wonder wow, if okay. any of the neighbours saw that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it promisedly, it wasn't nefarious or anything, but there we go. So, um, well, so there's my scary Halloween it, sounds. Atmosphere and atmos atmospheric, it, it has a great, you know, I mean, that's what I think that's why we kind of love horror films and that sort of thing. It's, I mean, we sort yes. of enjoy the atmosphere and being scared by it. I know, Yoad, I mean, as an audio engineer, I, you know, or, or music, you know, a studio owner, there are probably several things that are quite terrifying. I'd imagine um, the sound of tape coming off the tape machine uh, back in the day was, was, was one of them where you just hear that... Like, oh no something's snapped or you know whatever but Absolutely. there must be others i mean dying big dying technology sounds possibly i don't know You're yeah yeah but uh, but i think that recently it's anything that's really loud and sudden you know and i'm and i'm aware of the fact that my ears can't sort of you know it's like your pupils when you have uh, like really bright light they they kind of shrink and you, and we have the same sort of mechanism or similar mechanism in our ears because if you think about it if you're in a club or something like that and it's really loud it doesn't sound that loud because you get used to it but if it's sudden then mm. it can really damage your ears so i'm very kind of wary about about stuff like that um there's like I don't use the tube much, but I think that the the few kind of sec, uh, sections, be, I think on the Bakerloo line or something between Edgeville oh, yeah. Road Squeals, and, and yeah. whatever, where you have this loud squeaking voice uh, sound, and I and I block my ears, and I and people sit there like reading the not reading the newspapers, obviously looking at their phones as if as if nothing nothing happens and uh, happened, and I'm. Like, so uh, some, you know, anything like that, which is sudden and loud, uh, is very scary to me because it spells yeah. like permanent damage to your, to your ears. And I'm, 
yeah. protecting my ears all the time, like always, and I listen very quietly. And even at the, at the cinema, you know, I put like um, earplugs or whatever, tissue or whatever I can just to, to, to minimize the, the damage as much as possible because this is what we have. That's my main tool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's the most pre precious possession I have. You well, know, forget a, a all this gear. Point. It's just the ears. You can't hear. Well, that's true. I went up to London on at the weekend, uh, and we were on a train from Reading to London. And there's a couple of points where it goes really fast, and the lines are quite close together. And there are two or three instances when an express train was coming the direction. So the combined speed of them yeah. passing, it was uh, we, uh, several people sort of jumped <laughs> quite quite noticeably <laughs> when the trains just kind of go wow yeah, and it's changing like, pressure as well don't you yeah the change in pressure is uh, it's all, all kind wild of, uh, here's one uh, which i think is kind of amusing uh, uh, this is uh, icing the body electric <laughs> sound of a significant <laughs> other saying so <laughs> yeah. i was thinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's Very absolutely true. brilliant and uh, one i'm fully expecting quite shortly actually so uh, yeah um <laughs> folks thank you so much it's been great fun and thanks everybody in the chats and everything uh for joining us uh it's been a real a real joy thank you for having us uh, uh, uh as your um to the audience i'm talking about for letting us uh, take up some of your time also thank you very much yoad for joining us i get are you alt tabbing back into an uh a mix or have you got something else on the go yeah i'm mixing uh, right now in stereo this time but uh still a mix yeah, absolutely. Must yeah. be a piece of cake, really, after all this 5-1 stuff. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't, because uh, suddenly you realise that you have so many tracks and so much information that you have to to put into only two speakers. So um, it's, it's almost like, you know, working in mono again or something like yeah. that. There's something yeah. about the... But, uh, yeah, I, I love mixing, so... Doesn't Excellent. matter which well, form. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, a quick shout out for Battery Operated Orchestra, Boo Electric. If you check out their YouTube channel, they're doing uh, the launch of their new album and uh, they're doing a Boo cast on the 31st of October, 7 pm on the tubes. So do check that out as well. And uh, Paulie, uh, over to you. I yes. uh, don't know what, uh, hopefully, have you got plans for Halloween or are you uh, just going to scare the children and, uh, uh, and feed them lots of unsuitable well, sugar? Sure, I think like they're a bit young for trick or treating yet, so that'll probably well, you be next. You get people year. coming round, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So we'll probably like get a load of uh, we'll get a load of sweets in, and half of them won't be eaten, so I'll be kept in chupa chups for the rest <laughs> of the year, which is good. Just always yeah. buy too many, but yeah. So look out for my um, five spooky noises or terrifying noises for Halloween article that will be going up in the next few days on the Sonic State website. Um, there's some chilling ones in there. And yeah, other than that, I'm working on my soundtrack and working on a couple of videos as well. So um, I will talk more about them when, when they're nearer completion. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Paulie. And also, uh, Robbie, no thanks for joining us. Uh, you've got a Proceeds no. Network show coming up this week, presumably. Anybody excited? Yes, there's one show? on Friday. Yeah, there's one on Friday. Um, no special guest, well, although uh, I won't be there. We've got Dr. Mike Metley, who is going to be at AES. He's going to be hooking in. And the reason I'm not going to be there is because I'm going to be in London. I just did a quick, unashamed plug at the Dock and Roll Film Festival. 
where I shall be hosting a Q&A with the director and the wife of the great Don Lewis because his documentary film, uh, Don Lewis and the Live Electronic Orchestra, is premiering in the UK at the Barbican in Cinema 1. We were in Cinema 2, but we sold so many tickets, they've had to move us to the bigger screen, which is great. Uh, There are still a few tickets left, so if you want to come see a great film about a a man who was responsible for things such as the TR-808, the CR-78, tons of sounds on the DX-7, and invented invented a communication method between synthesizers 10 years before MIDI or before Roland did their thing. Um, the guy was an absolute genius. We miss him terribly. Um, but this wow. film is going to be on at the Barbican. Tickets are only £13.50. Um, uh, Dock and Roll Film, sorry, com. Book your tickets now and hopefully I'll see you there. Excellent. Nicely plugged, and almost, if there was a time limit, that would have been well within, so thank you very much. Uh, Well, (laughs) excuse me, that's it for this week. I hope you have a good week wherever you are, and uh, enjoy some spooky nonsense, if that's your thing. Otherwise, um, stay well, be well, and uh, enjoy stuff. So uh, we will see you in some more spooky music. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. Get them in. We used to have the tumbleweed sound. Hey, right. See you all next time. Take care. Bye bye.